my magical friends. My name's Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Apologies for the late episode this week, but we will get to that. If this is your first or 164th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. We have a lot of news and, um, yeah, just a lot of news and then we'll get to today's topic. <laughs> so let's get started. So first, again, apologies, because of course, I usually have been posting episodes on Tuesdays, but this week I could not do that because I was busy finishing up an article for Unseen Japan that's Magical Girl related. And this is technically also news, so I will go ahead and link this in the show notes. In any case, we had a very interesting incident um, with social media and social media pressure on Bandai Namco and uh, Toei Animation regarding the lack of a costume for Cure Wing of Soaring Sky Precure this season. Basically, a story went viral about this boy who really wanted this uh, costume, and that led to us finally getting it. So you can get all the details and stuff in my article, which again will be in the show notes. I think it was just a really interesting thing to see and... um, Yeah, which is also very heartwarming in the end, so I'm really happy about it. But getting to the other news, there's, again, quite a lot. (laughs) So we're going to do our best to go in order. So first thing is first, as of this week, you can get a new Blu-ray of Re-Cutie Honey. Uh, Next, Rainbow Bubble Gem is starting to air this week, as of the 30th. But I wanted to let you know that there seems to be a lot of rumors about other places picking up the show, so I'm hopeful that we will get more dubs in the future. We got a lot of news regarding comics. So first, um, Maho Junin, or Magical Middle Age, which is about a middle-aged man who fights off the big demon so that magical girls don't have to. This is now in volume 4. This one came out on August 29th. Next is Magical Girl Incident, both in English and in Japanese. So um, if you are reading it in English, Volume 2 will come out on September 19th. And if you're reading in Japanese, Volume 3 will come out on September 4th. So that's pretty exciting. Um, I haven't read this one yet, but I remember the original premise is about a man, a grown man, who dreams of becoming a hero finally and gets the chance to become a magical girl. Next one, um, we actually also got two new Magical Girl series starting this week. So the first one is called Peekaboo Smile or Peekaboo with a Smile. This is a series about a boy and his mother. Um, The boy, Shori, is um, in middle school, you know, that typical age. And his mother is actually a magical girl, one that actually ages down when she transforms. And he has gotten very exhausted with her always getting hurt, coming home covered in blood, and he gets upset and calls her a bad parent, saying she has failed as a parent because she is doing magical girl business. And so she decides to retire. However, there is no one to pick up the mantle, and thus one day 
Shodi ends up taking on the mantle himself and becoming a magical boy. And so that is where the story has begun. Uh, this is on Jump Plus. I don't know if there's going to be an official translation, but it's certainly possible because a lot of Jump Plus stuff ends up on Manga Plus in English and sometimes also in Spanish, I believe. So no news yet, but keep your eyes peeled. I did read the first chapter myself and I found it quite charming. It is definitely not a parody and is completely serious. So that's really neat. Definitely hopeful on that one. The other new comic I'm not feeling so strongly about. This one we can't read quite yet. This one just came out in um, Young King Awards magazine. So this is a magazine for young men. And uh, this one is called My Sister Will Not Become a Magical Girl. And the only thing I could see of it other than the image of a boy and his sister, a boy who looks very suspiciously like light yagami from uh, death note is that it is a sister complex action comedy so not thrilled about that um to be perfectly honest but at least it is labeled very explicitly what it is so yeah and that's all for comics and next we have um news from magical girl raising project so uh, they did a uh Clanberry related audio play, a live audio play last year, and they've just announced their second of these. This one is called Snow White Raising Project. So this is a, from my understanding, this is a side story not directly tied to the novels that have yet to be adapted, but it's very interesting. They have released the key visual for this and are now selling tickets. And last but not least, we have a lot of news regarding Precure. So first, we got a new trailer late last week for Precure All-Stars F, the movie. This is probably going to be the last major trailer before the movie debuts on September 15th, but that's very soon, so this is very exciting, of course. Um, we got a little bit more of a look at Cure Supreme. This is the exclusive cure to this film. And we got a few little moments and we see some character interactions. And so it's like super exciting. Next, we got news for Dancing Star Precure. So this is the stage show that is the 2.5D musical coming in October and November in both Tokyo and then later Osaka. I have myself entered for the lottery to get tickets uh, in Tokyo. So wish me luck, everyone, because I'm not sure. But in any case, we got a new promotional video, which includes uh, information including the civilian names of all of our new cures. So for anyone who has not caught up, this is the all-male cure team, which is pretty exciting, a little bit different for pre-gear. I think, you know, there was a lot of uh, discussion and controversy when it first was released, but I think a lot of that has died down. So that's good. We also got some new casting announcements and three extra characters that were announced during this particular trailer. So that's really cool. So be sure to check that out. Also related to Dancing Star Precure, they announced that they will be making an English page to sell tickets online. So if you are interested in coming to Japan at that time, please uh, go ahead and insert yourself. Um, so uh, I submitted myself to a lottery, but the actual public selling of tickets to everyone 
starts on September 30th, both in Japanese and、uh, in English, apparently. So if you are hoping to get yourself a ticket to that show, please feel free to do so.、Uh, they do insist on letting everyone know that there is going to be no English translation available of the show itself. But, you know, I'm sure it'll be a good time regardless if you can get a hold of it. Last but certainly not least, literally,、uh, I think an hour or so since I'm recording this now, we got the full trailer, the first actual trailer for Otona Precure Power of Hope. I am so thrilled. It's so exciting. We already kind of knew what this was going to be, basically based on descriptions, but actually seeing it is really cool and it's Very clearly about all the girls from Yes Precure 5 and Futariva Precure Splash Star reconnecting as adults, and it's just very sweet. And there's a hint at there being some magical business going on, so that's also thrilling. And with this trailer, we also got the full poster visual. We had only seen the characters drawn in this image. But now we have the full background and everything. And we got the release date finally. So we knew that it would be coming out in October on Saturdays. We had the airtime as well. But now we finally know it's coming out on October 7th. That's the premiere date. So mark your calendars. This is going to be an amazing ride. It's so exciting. And we can already see, you know, the girls just doing silly adult things with each other. So it's super. Exciting.、Oh, I'm I'm over the moon with this news. I really am. <laughs> yes. But yes, so that is finally all the magical girl news for this week. I did watch some stuff, but you know, we can get to that another time. So for now, yeah, let's get on to today's topic. This topic today, I am really thrilled about.、Um, this was on one of those series. I mean, I say this a lot, but this was a series where I just had truly no idea what I was getting into. And I'm going to be honest, I still feel that way. Like, if I go to read the comic, I feel like I'm going to be even more like flabbergasted. But I really also enjoyed it at the same time, and I do genuinely think this show is underrated. So, today we are talking about the 2000s series, Kamichama Karin. Oh, I'm so, I'm so happy that we're here.、Um, this, is, this is a series that、um, it was big at the time, but for the wrong reasons. And it was very unfortunate that it was so. I think that. I mean, we do get into it in the main chat, but I really do hope that this is a series that ends up getting a second life at some point. But yeah, and、uh, for today's chat, I was able to snag a delightful guest. I'm so happy to finally get them on.、Um, Liv, Liv in a Day. Liv is a role player. I know them from Super Idols. Not only have I been a listener of Super Idols for the longest time, but When I guested on the main feed as、um, Radiant Tiara, I am playing against Liv in that scene. And we had a great time, and our characters are.、Um, I'm not going to get into more details because that would be spoilers for that podcast story, but it was super fun. And then we also got the chance to play again together for Super Idols Blast Off, which was、um, Aaron Cerise's、uh, Patreon exclusive. 
content, doing more uh, playtesting of the full Super Idols game. But yes, Liv is uh, fantastic, and I was so delighted to have them on, to have another Super Idols person on to talk about a Magical Girl show. And they came to this in a very interesting way because I feel like this is also true for a lot of people. This is another series where most of the fans do come from the comic rather than the adaptation, and they were the same. They actually were watching the show for the first time, so it was really fascinating to get into that. Um, before we get into the main chat, though, we do have some warnings to give. So just as a heads up, this series contains xenophobia, some light assault, question mark, implied incest, but not actual incest, and underage drinking, or implied underage drinking, I should say. It's not explicitly so, but there you go. Oh, and one more note about the audio quality of this episode. I'm not sure why it had a few more problems than usual. It does sound better, especially on Liv's end, midway through. Mine, I I really do wish I had sounded better. I still think the chat is worth listening to despite that, but I do apologize for anyone who has sensitive ears and cannot listen to this episode because of that. But yeah, this this show does have its problems as as many shows do, especially at the time. So keep that in mind um, before you get into the chat or before you watch the show for yourself. This is still one that I would recommend despite those warnings. But um, I think I think I'm said enough. You guys have been waiting for this episode for a few extra days. So yeah, um, with that, sit back and relax and enjoy this chat with Liv about. Kami Chama Karin. Great, so we are here today to talk about Kami Chama Karin or Little Goddess Karen from uh, 2007. And I'm very delighted for our guest today. Can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Liv, I use she, they pronouns, and I am a TTRPG performer primarily, um, usually through live streaming, so I tend to live stream actual plays, um, but I've done podcast recorded, pre-recorded stuff, um, and that's how we know each other. I don't know if that's important, but I like it, yes, I like bragging. Yes. <laughs> yes, you are yet another Super Idols uh, person. <laughs> I am a yes. Super Idol, that's me. <laughs> um, so very important. I will at, at some point get everyone, I'm sure, on the podcast. Yes, You're just um, collecting us. Yes, indeed, indeed. <laughs> I really was happy to, to talk about this particular topic. I think this franchise is like a little bit underrated considering like, you know, how it is pretty unique to the genre in a lot of ways. And then also in the yeah. ways that it's like kind of not unique so it's uh i don't know it's it's a very interesting series i'm really excited to to get into it but before we do that Liv, what is your history with the magical girl genre as a whole yeah absolutely so being a 90s early 2000s kid in the west growing up in america um i was a sailor moon fanatic uh <laughs> serena and all of her friends were my favorite but um, I actually have extended family that is Japanese. So my uncle married a woman from Okinawa 
and her younger sister actually would spend most of the year in Japan, then would come and spend the summers with us. And I would spend the summers with my uncle and my cousins and all of that. So I ended up getting a lot, like she would bring over Sailor Moon and Hello Kitty everything, right? Because we were mm-hmm. young kids. And so I ended up watching Sailor Moon in Japanese when I was very young and little. And like, I did not know, oh, this is from a completely different country. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I got exposed and fell in love with anime. And then later on in life, when I was probably like middle school and stuff, I started getting into Tokyo Mew Mew and actually Kamitama Karen and um, all the other different shows. But Sailor Moon was a gateway, as always. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I guess how how was your um, your experience, like your relationship to Magical Girls, like after that, I guess, into oh, yeah. adulthood and, and so on? Into adulthood, well, so, yeah, into adulthood, I really fell in love with the strength and femininity that I think is my favorite part about magical girls. And I know that there are other genders under the magical, quote, girl, unquote, genre. But at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, at least for me, the thing that I love about classic magical girls is the things that make you hyper-feminine are the things that make you strong. And Mm. I am non-binary, but I very much associate with femininity and feminine things and the strength of being feminine. Mm -hmm. It really hits home. And I just, I love it. I love it so much. I love that love and friendship and the bonds that we have together make us stronger. And then we can go out and kick butt. That's my favorite thing. (laughs) Great, great. (laughs) Aside from from the series we're talking about today, what are some other like favorite magical girl shows? So I loved Shugo Chara. That was like another fun one that I read in my like peak peak middle school, high school anime lover era. Mm-hmm. But I do have to shout out Magic Knight Ray Earth. Obviously, Card Captor Sakura too, but. Magic Knight Ray Earth is the only mech anime that I like, and it just so happens to be a magical girl. And I don't think that that is an accident. I think that's what I love about it the most. Um, actually, I could talk forever about Magic Knight Ray Earth, but that that <laughs> is quintessential. That's a really, really good one as well. Mm-hmm. And then I'm trying to think if there's anything a bit more modern that I really love. Hmm. I can't think of it. I just, I also feel like we were talking about it a little bit. We kind of touched on it a little bit before we started this. I feel like we don't have that many modern magical girl shows anymore other than, wow, we're going to ruin the, not ruin, we're going to deconstruct the magical girl genre (laughs) or pre-cure. Like that's Mm -hmm. it. Um, So maybe this is my sign. Maybe I just need to dive into pre-cure. I know people have been saying it. My friends have been telling me. Maybe it's time. <laughs> well, I would heartily agree. <laughs> yes. I mean, there were um, there were quite a few other shows in competition with Precure, but right now Precure is like such a dominant force that mm-hmm. all the competition is just dying out. Though there's um, Acro Trip is coming next year, which is adapted mm-hmm. from, from a girl's comic. So we'll see if maybe that one will be yeah if that one is successful that would that would be interesting absolutely absolutely 
it's it's a little bit of an unordinary series in itself, and then it's still for girls, so it'll be yeah fun to, to keep oh. our eyes on that one. You know that <laughs> other show that sneaks into the back of my mind every now and then? Magical, is this Magical Do Re Mi? Mm-hmm. That got the four kids treatment here in the West, um, but I still watched it when I was a kid. So that <laughs> one every now and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it only got the the first season uh, was was dubbed. The rest is also very good. So if you haven't watched it all, I do recommend it. <laughs> all right, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so with that, let's get into our show today. So Kamitama Karin did start as a comic mm-hmm. by Koge Donbo, who is probably more well-known, um, especially in nerd circles, for Gigi Karat, which is yes. um, actually recently also got a reboot of its own and shares a voice actor with uh, Doremi, actually, <laughs> speaking oh, of her. Oh, okay, nice. But that, that series is, I think, way more known because it's like about nerd culture, and al capital, yes. etc., uh, but this is the show, the series that they did after, and um, uh, started in two thousand three, mm-hmm. finished in two thousand five, uh, mm-hmm. published in Nakayoshi, and obviously did well enough that for some reason two years later, as the sequel was going, um, Kamitama Cutting Two, which never did get an adaptation, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> they decided to adapt the original story, and yes. it seems from the way that things ended in the the series that they were hoping to continue the series, but it did not get picked up for a continuation, fortunately. But it is still a really interesting show in general. I think that hmm, I think like there's a lot of things going on that make it really kind of unique for the genre, not just like the idea of utilizing gods in particular as opposed mm-hmm. to other kinds of magical deities. But just the kind of di- different like dynamics going on between characters and mm-hmm. the fact that there is um, seemingly surprisingly rare for the time, there is still some degree of queer representation, which we'll definitely talk about. Yes. And uh, yeah, just like really just a kind of fascinating piece of the genre, which I do think, despite its problems, which we will talk about, I do think that it's a bit underrated and uh, more people should pay attention to it. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was also going to say, it wasn't even that they ended thinking, being feeling confident that they were going to get a second season. They started <laughs> thinking that they were going to get a second season. Because we have, mm-hmm. I'm not even going to lie, when I first started watching this, I was delayed. Like, I had to stop and scour multiple websites because I was like, surely this opening scene is not the first episode. Like, there are characters that don't even show up in the original first part of the series mm-hmm. there are concepts and plot devices and and magical items that do not show up until the sequel series so they went in swinging i i, I respect yeah. it i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so i remember thinking the same thing like the the way that the first episode is interesting this doesn't happen a lot in japanese shows though it does happen a lot when they get dubbed and like you know episodes get rearranged and stuff Mm-hmm. We see yeah, at the very beginning, episode one, like the opening, we see like the characters show up. And so I'm like excited, like, wow, are there like three magical boys all transforming and fighting? What's going on in the series? I don't know what to expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like we never see it again. <laughs> we, we never see one boy ever again. Mm-hmm. We see yeah. one boy who 
does not transform in the main series. And then mm-hmm. another boy who we see constantly, but when we first see him is in a completely different outfit and we will not see that outfit. We'll see that outfit once again. It's it's very yes, funny. Yes. <laughs> so it's like very, yeah, it's it just like kind of all at once and... Is that media res? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You could uh, you could say it is that. Uh, I guess it's not even quite foreshadowing. It's just like showing the future and then it's like back to the beginning um <laughs> are you can i tell you can i can i confess something people uh-huh. say media res all the time and i have no idea what it means but i think <laughs> i i'm gonna trust you <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah in this case like in media res like m- media meaning like middle right that yeah same word as like medium so yeah it's just like in the middle of of a scene and it gets you so pumped like oh we're gonna get to this point eventually and then it mm, doesn't mm-hmm, happen mm-hmm. but <laughs> but so in much. any case yes um i do think it's interesting in that it is an adaptation of a series that like because the comic was from or had finished two years prior i do mm-hmm. think that it it does lend itself to being adapted very well because a lot of the kids shows are being adapted at the same time and that yeah. causes a lot of differentiation, a lot of like things that just get to make things really messy, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, so getting back to the beginning, you know, the beginning of our story, we have Karin Hanazono. She is a generally pretty normal girl, but she is, you know, quite depressed. So <laughs> uh, sad. So, like it starts off pretty sad, right? So she is yeah. an orphan. She lost her parents long ago and she only has one picture of them to remember them by and this this ring that was her mother's and at the beginning of the story she is in particular like extra depressed because she had just lost her cat that she had called mm-hmm. Shichan and she, she has gotten a, a grave for the cat and everything and while she's there one night she gets approached by by two people so in particular we get a Kazune Kujo who is like right away really abrasive to her and yeah. like they fight all the time He's kind of like just insulting her all the time and it seems like there's no way they could possibly get along, but he's trying to help her out. Then there's mm-hmm. also um, his cousin who shows up a little later named Hinika Kujo. They notice that like her ring glows mysteriously when they're around, so that means something, of course. And we have our kind of three main characters here, our main team mm-hmm. of Karin and Kazune and Hinika. And yes. Karin's uh, ring is being pursued by this mysterious guy that she calls like the the glasses boy throughout the show, <laughs> the glasses kid. Even though he is like like he looks older than her, he's like much taller and like has this, like yeah. deep voice. He's just like don't call me that, and he's always very quick to to call uh, to, to identify himself. Right, he's Kirio Prasma, but and they're only a year apart, right? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Puberty. In that year, puberty. Oof, it jumps. (laughs) Yes, yes. But in any case, so yeah, uh, she's being pursued by him to get that ring. It's kind of sad because the first time, like, when he tries to get her ring from him, uh, from her, you know, he says, like, oh, if you give me your ring, then we're going to bring your cat back to life. And Kazune stops him and they end up transforming during their second interaction where... He uses Latin, I believe, to say that he is God, and he transforms into this, like, Apollo-based magical boy. And Mm -hmm. she can transform, as she finds out, and she says, I am God in English. And I think this is a major factor as to why the show maybe didn't get picked up everywhere in dubs, but um, (laughs) she... 
yeah, she um, she does also transform with the power of Athena. And at first, you know, she does like kind of work like when they when they fight together, she is kind of able to use her magic, but she's not very good at it. And so throughout the beginning of the show, she's just trying to like figure stuff out, like being able to transform and then also just actually being able to use any powers whatsoever. It's very clear that like there's just like a lot that's not really known about how stuff works. Mm hmm. But when she's with Cousinit, things are generally okay. That being said, whenever Cousinit does transform, he ends up passing out afterwards. So yes. that's a big factor. And the other thing, <laughs> I think it's important about Cousinit is that he's terrified of bugs. But yeah. Hinika loves bugs. <laughs> that's a recurring bit throughout the series. But uh, in any case, she ends up, you know, moving in with them and going to their school. So things are a bit tough as she has to kind of like catch up with the rest of their school, which is like this really, really fancy kind of school. And they live in this like really giant house. And there's like this like basement area that she can't go into. It's totally fine. <laughs> uh, they have a butler and stuff. But generally, like their day to day life is just them like, you know, just kind of living life, trying to um, trying to figure out their powers and trying to like keep Kirio away uh, from them, like trying to steal their rings and, and what have you. And uh, also there's this notion that like, they're also trying to help Himika who is, you know, from the beginning, the way Himika talks, she just always sounds tired. Yeah. Like that's, Sweet yeah, <laughs> it's like her thing. Yeah. Um, but, but she's always, you know, despite that trying her best to, to be energetic and, you know, be friends with everyone. And uh, we do get, like, this kind of reunion with the cat Shichan in that this um, this cat who has the powers of the goddess Nike comes to join them. Though Kari, when she first sees the cat, is so terrified, thinks it's a ghost and throws it out of the, the <laughs> house. Um, poor thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, for the most part, it's just like this like cute middle school uh, little story. There's there's a bit of romance in that um, Karin has this big crush on Kirika, who the audience knows is associated with Kirio. Mm -hmm. You know, we see that whenever they're fighting the uh, fighting off Kirio, who does transform into a magical boy of his own, he also sometimes on occasion has this magical girl with him, who's also like very powerful. But it's like very clear, you know, they're like wearing like darker clothes in their transformation, so you know they're bad. They're evil. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes but yeah so we get the, these kind of like weird little things and then um the the next kind of like really kind of weird moment i had do have to point out episode um eight is when we first meet suzune who's like this tiny little very cute little boy with like this like little hat that's got little rabbit ears on it mm -hmm. um <laughs> but he's generally looking for his mom and they get trapped in the uh, past, like here and Karin. Um, and so she's able to see uh, like a scene of a very, very young uh, Kazune and a young Himika interacting. And they know they're really in the past because like she like affects his bug trauma or something mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. with a praying mantis, which is very funny. Also, um, young Himika had the smoke for everyone. She was, she was feisty. Yeah. <laughs> she's very interesting yes um she's such an interesting character and in that like despite her low energy and her being seemingly like the kind of damsel that needs to be rescued in a way like she's still like yeah she's got a she's got an interesting attitude to her mm -hmm. um <laughs> yes 
But in any case, you know, we see them and um, we also meet at the, uh, the, there's like the school festivals, the kind of first time that we see that there's another mysterious girl who also is very soft spoken, who's with yes. Kirio and Kirika. And yeah, there's all this, this like stuff there. So there's like, you know, the, the kind of romance aspect with, with Kirika being the, the, this like cute guy at school. And also Kazune is really, really popular with the girls. He's got a little fan club mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, who all hate Karin, even though she doesn't really feel like she's actually interested in Kazune in that way. Mm-mm. She's just like naturally close to him because of all this, you know, magical nonsense. Um, <laughs> yeah, but in any case, we get yeah all of that, uh, all these weird little shenanigans. And yeah, is there anything you want to say about the kind of beginning here before we meet our mysterious transfer student? <laughs> yeah. Oh, our mysterious transfer student. There's <laughs> there's a lot of the things that I noticed the most outside of the storytelling was or the story itself were some mm-hmm. of the auxiliary choices that were made, mainly audio, because mm. first of all, the opening song to me is very misleading. <laughs> the, opening- the opening song is very... We don't often talk about openings and endings on this show. But yeah. I mean, they're obviously like a major factor of like, you know, getting the vibes of a show. But it is very unique, for sure. It is very <laughs> unique. I don't think it aligns well with the show at all. <laughs> like, it's a complete tonal difference to me. <laughs> Which also reminds me of like, the graphics cards, the graphics, graphic design is my passion. The graphics mm-hmm. don't make sense to me. And also with the way that like the, the school uniforms are designed and the mansion, we have this sort of Victorian-esque, it made me think of mm. like Rosin Maiden, I think is what that was called. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, but like very Victorian-esque with the roses, the thorns. And then our title cards for the episode names the background is drawn like hieroglyphics, but mm-hmm. we're we're talking about Greek gods. <laughs> so it was all just very confusing and all over the place for me. And then the music, mm-hmm. this the score, if you will, there's like a distress song that plays that sounds like a ringtone. There's another song that they use constantly that sounds like a royalty-free version of Pure Imagination from Willy Wonka. <laughs> like, there was just so many points where I was listening to the music and I was like, what is happening? But that, I just, I had to get that out here at the very front of things, at the very top of things. Also, thank you for that recap. That was very lovely. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting cast and... There's no denying the fact that this show and and the manga itself is very marketed and made for a younger demographic, which I don't think there's any problem with. I actually appreciate that Karen and Kazune and Himika are all designed in a very like childish way in a way like they're young. Mm -hmm. They look young, um, which I think is quite cute. The manga style, which I'm not going to talk too much about, but I read the manga never watched the show until this but i remember this manga being so influential in me and my aesthetics i just i love the art style it was so cute and so the anime does its best i would say (laughs) the transformations still look really really fun the costumes Mm -hmm. that they wear as magical individuals are very cute but i i agree himika 
is our sleepy little queen who is feistier <laughs> than you would think. Kazune. Oh, Kazune. He's... I remember writing down a note and writing that Kazune should have been Ares. And I know that Ares is like a villain in this, but he is so <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> he has such aggressive energy. I was like, you should have been Ares, my guy. Mm-hmm. But I do appreciate that Karen is um, is Athena. I think that's very cute and very fun. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is not the first choice that somebody would do for their main character in a magical girl story. So that was always something I appreciated. Mm-hmm. I'll talk eventually about how me at like 10 to 12 years old found this anime or this manga. It's a Venn diagram moment that was specifically for me. Um, you can talk about it now if you'd like. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure thing. So, okay. I was in the sixth grade specifically. So I was probably about 11 or 12 when I found Kamichama Karen. But the year before that, fifth grade, I found two series that would alter me as a person. One was Inuyasha. I was never the same after I started reading Inuyasha. And the second was that I had read multiple times over the years, over, over that year, the very first Percy Jackson and the Olympians story. Yes. Mm -hmm. I still have that copy. It's like, it's a very old first edition. They do not use the same cover art anymore. Um, And again, fundamental for me as a person. So to find a magical girl anime or manga, again, love Sailor Moon, that was about Greek gods. Oh, I was in, you could not keep me away. (laughs) And Athena was always my favorite goddess when I was a kid. And it was just, it was crafted in a lab for me. It was perfect. And I really, really enjoyed it. Even though overall the story is interesting. It takes some (laughs) wild turns, I would say. But, you know, it was it was cute. And again, especially because, like I said, uh, loved Inuyasha. So having our our two leads, if you will, that are always like burr, 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 and bickering back and forth. I was like, ah, yes, yes, this is familiar. I love this. I'm into this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although mm-hmm. watching it back, I was kind of like, wow, y'all live like this like <laughs> <laughs> first interaction you're just punching this boy right in the face he's calling you all sorts of mean names and you're calling him sexist for the mean names which is like i was like wow this is a this is a high octane <laughs> dynamic yeah um, yeah it's it's a very interesting kind of um dynamic between the two of them for sure and mm-hmm. it only, you know, like, you can kind of tell where it's going, right? Because, like, yeah, you know, they they are generally very, like, close. And despite the fact that, you know, they, they are constantly figuring or whatever, it's still like, okay, well, you know, they still refer to each other in a very, like, affectionate kind of way. And, like, the way that, you know, she calls him, like, Kazune-kun is enough to upset his fan club, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, she's, you know, like from the moment she met Kirika, she was like, wow, that boy is is everything. He's such a gentleman and so, mm-hmm. so kind and, and everything. And, you know, he let her eat the last uh, unagi bread, which is like her staple for some reason, which I 
Yeah. I don't understand because unagi is expensive. <laughs> and <laughs> well, yeah. I was going to say, I like unagi as much as the next person. It's always one of my favorite things to order, but it's to a level because later on in the show, she buys unagi ice cream. And I was like, girl, girl, <laughs> be real right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I-, I would try it once. I've had fried chicken ice cream and it was pretty good, but. Ooh. yeah i had a uh, turkey dinner ice cream oh that sounds like, interesting yeah oh it's so good <laughs> so like i could see the potential it's funny because like if you say that you're gonna get like unagi pan in japanese what you're actually getting is like bread that's shaped like an eel um which is you know popular <laughs> with kids but not with actual eel in it because that would be wild but for some yeah. reason i don't know why i don't know if it's like a thing in the comic as well but like that particular kind of meme throughout the show is is really fascinating uh, <laughs> yeah i truly i was watching it and i could not remember at all i could mm-hmm. not remember at all about the unagi thing the things that i remembered the most were some key points key plot points and then the costumes and the greek god thing oh which Reminds me, I think it's so cute that she wears olive accessories because yes. <laughs> Athena Athena invented the olive. And that I always appreciated. <laughs> yeah, it's a cute detail for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, for sure, yes. Um, just lovely. Yeah, it's all very like fascinating. Um, the, the kind of details that they put into the series. And you can definitely tell because it is the Koge Donbo series that like in terms of the art style and everything, it's like definitely... It's like very cute and kind of fancy. So it's like, yes, for me, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like Clamp's art style, but like even cuter, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so getting to episode uh, nine is when we get our, you know, the classic, like the next important character transfers to the yes. school. And in this case, we get Michiru, who uh, is often referred to as Michi by Karin. Mm-hmm. And he is half British. Though we don't know which of his parents is British. No. We never find that out. It's fine. Um, but he he arrives at school. He's got um, heterochromia. And mm-hmm. he's got a big crush on Kazune. Because like the moment that he meets them, he kisses Karin on the forehead. And kisses Kazune yes. on the lips. Which was yeah. shocking to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Ourselves included. <laughs> yes. Um, and... He says all the time that, like, he knew uh, Kazune's father and was, like, indebted to him and got this ring from him and stuff. And so that's why he is, like, likewise very attached to Kazune, but that has turned into this kind of, like, crush on him as well. Yeah. He takes it seriously enough that, like, he tells Karin that, like, he sees her as, like, a threat, a rival for Kazune's affection. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And... He's immediately kind of weird because, like, the next episode, there's they go to the hot springs, and there are like some things that happen that are kind of wild there. Um, yeah, I will say I did feel a bit of nostalgia because in this anime, we not only get a bathhouse episode, we also get a beach episode, mm-hmm. and that's just classic early 2000s, I feel like. Yes, yes. So, one thing I should point out, uh, which is like a really good thing for considering. Uh, a lot of other potential things that could have gone wrong with the show is that um, mm. even with all the wild things that happen, even like specifically to Karin and like that beach episode, etc. Yeah. We never see anything weird. Like it never gets no. gross. 
which is really no. appreciated because goodness knows there were a lot of shows like that. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like even around this time. So it's, yeah, it was um, refreshing to see that kind of thing. It's like, oh yeah, some people know that like you can, you can tell even a story about like these wild kids like being weird and creepy to each other without actually showing the audience anything really bad. Yeah. It's, it's much appreciated. So shout out, mm-hmm, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, a win. A yes. win to all the Kamichama fans out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, and throughout this part we get um the the kind of reveal as well from uh well usually for michi to like asking kasane outright like who he likes right who he has a crush on mm-hmm. and kasane saying that he likes cutting and that being kind of a shock to cutting because she's like wait what we're all fighting yeah. all the time huh <laughs> which like i i do kind of appreciate because i mean i can't think of many stories that are like this where there's obviously a, a romance to it and our heroine spends honestly most of the show either one not knowing two actively not wanting it not in a bad way but more in like a no 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 way i mean i don't feel that way like i don't know it's kind of refreshing to see it was or at least interesting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think denial is a better word than refusing. Sorry, go ahead. No, sure. Um, but yeah, I think that it is. Yeah, it's really, it's really fun to see because, like, yeah, maybe it's normal to just like have crushes on on different people when you're a teenager if you're interested in romance. Mm-hmm. I think also once we get to like the kind of spoilery big reveal stuff, like this part is really interesting where you know cousin it knows he likes cutting, but he also knows that yes. right now she's like got this big crush on Kirika and. Even though at first he was like, you should stay away from Kirika, he realizes that he can't like do anything about those feelings. And so he just lets her have them and like supports her in those feelings, mm-hmm. which is so fascinating considering spoiler stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. And then, you know, just as like Cutting is trying to deal with the fact that she has overheard this information and she's trying to process it. Now, every time she's with him, she's like really embarrassed and like wonders if he's going to ever tell her or anything like that. And they like go out and she thinks it's on a date, though it's actually about getting something for Himika's birthday. Mm -hmm. Though she doesn't realize at first, it's still like them spending a nice time together and it's very cute. (laughs) It's nicer than she would have expected. She enjoys herself a lot more than she would have thought. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, the, the beach stuff in episode 14 and then in 15 that continues on. Where, like, Karin has figured out by this point that she does realize, like, she, she does like Kasune as well. Mm-hmm. You know, despite everything, that we get this weird episode where Kirio, like, meets Karin while she's in disguise in this weird little blonde curly wig. It's like, really, like, you know, Shirley Temple vibes or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And he, like, falls in love with this concept of her. <laughs> it's this, like, big princessy look like because she's also in a tennis outfit so i was like yeah is she supposed to be just like in nepo baby cosplay like i mean yeah that kind of like like when it's a tennis outfit with that it's like um what is that series the the one the tennis one they recently also referenced it in spy family but oh yeah that look is is it's a very specific character in that series i don't know off the top of my head but i will I'll put a. I'll, I'll write it down in the show notes because I, <laughs> I the, the name has escaped me at the moment. But um, yeah, it's like a reference to a very specific character. 
So it might be a reference here as well, but I'm not 100% sure. Because it is a shorter wig than that character. But in any case, um, this episode is really weird because he creates this whole, like, survival race to... um, but only the person that he fell in love with, this concept of a person that is actually caught in a wig, uh, can win. And mm-hmm. it's really, it's a lot. It's this block of episodes where I was just sitting there like, what is happening? <laughs> what is happening? What's going on? I feel like we've lost the plot. Where is the plot? Is it even in the room with us? Um, which I mean, you know, it's a, it's, it's a cute kid show. It's mm-hmm. not always going to be perfect that's fine but i i I was scratching my head through a lot of this um Mm -hmm. and these gags i suppose yeah so it's fun it's silly it's ridiculous i Mm -hmm. think these are apparently based on like side stories from the comic that were like not really important so that's fine yeah Mm -hmm. but yeah it's just like this whole ridiculous series of events. And it does also give us more insight into Kidio, who is like really interested True. in romance, which is interesting. He just like is a sucker for romance stories and like yeah. the concept of it. Which is also really funny because Kirika does at one point talk about how Kirio only cares about the rings and the power of transformation. And it's like, well, maybe not. Maybe mm-hmm, Kirio yeah. has a soft side. Yeah, yeah. So it is, um, yeah, it's pretty wild. Let's pause right here at the end of 15. I think it's a good point to just kind of give us a, a spoiler warning. So we'll talk about, you know, spoiler stuff after this for anyone who has not watched the show yet. There are many mm-hmm. twists and turns we have yet to talk about. So please give it a, a watch. I think, yeah, it's very fascinating. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah, we get you know these these rings. There are there are other rings than like the ones that the kind of made ones that they're using. You know, this mm-hmm. one we also have figured out that um, you can use other rings to transform, but it can be very um, dangerous. Yeah, it's very dangerous. So you know, it's advised not to do that. <laughs> yeah, which I actually thought was really interesting and a fun concept to bring in. Of like, hey transforming does take something out of you physically like using your transformation powers using your magical powers will affect your very real physical body um and i always just think it's it's fun when series play around with like consequences in that way yeah and again like literally every time cousin transforms he passes out and as the series continues that time unconscious is like longer and longer so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a very clearly like a threat to his own existence, honestly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so yeah, episode 16 is this whole thing where um, Kirika is acting very strange and Himika and the other girl who at this point we have learned is also Himika. Yes. They have a dream about each other. And so like they are possibly in contact in a, in a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. it's yeah this one we don't know a whole lot about the other Himika except that like she is also named Himika and she thinks of of uh, Kirio as you know her big brother and they are doing things to protect her it seems so mm-hmm. uh, there's it's like this complicated question of what's going on there um, but yeah and then you know once they uh, defeat Kirika this time we get the big big surprise a big reveal yeah and 
I mean, the way it happens is it's very, uh, it's very Mulan, Disney's Mulan, I guess. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> where you know, Kika's <laughs> unconscious, so of course, Cutting goes to um, protect Kika because she has a big crush on Kika. So when she does, she notices that, you know, Kika's shirt is a bit more unbuttoned than usual, and it turns out that Kika has more of a chest than she realized. Uh, yes. In other words, Kika has been a woman this whole time, or a girl. And mm-hmm. so... You know, that's very shocking. Um, it does explain the mysterious goddess yes. that Kirio is always with, though. Yes, it does. Uh, that, for some reason, does still take Cutting some time to put together. <laughs> yeah, God bless her. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, yes, so she realizes this is like, you know, Kirito's big secret and no one else seems to know. So she does go out of her way to make sure that, you know, that secret is protected. Mm-hmm. And she figures it out, so... She takes Hidika to the house and makes sure that, like, you know, they don't go to have seen doctors or anything. Like, she takes care of it. Once Hidika comes to, she tells her about, like, why she's been in disguise as a boy. It's, like, these complicated feelings about, like, not being enough and feeling like she mm-hmm. has to disguise herself and all of that. And for cutting this kind of also, interestingly, kind of, like, immediately shuts down the crush. In, in a way, like, it seems like yeah. suddenly, like, okay, if Kika's a girl, then that she's not an option anymore. Yeah. Which is, you know, interesting. I don't think, I think they managed to do it in a way that, like, I didn't feel like it was homophobic, if that makes sense. No, no, no. I, I agree. It wasn't like, um, there wasn't like any repulsion. Right. It was Katarin just being like, oh, okay, well, that door is closed. I guess I'll yeah. continue my way. Yeah. Um, It is interesting, though, because Kirika does say to Karen that the feelings were in a way mutual mm-hmm. um, and that Kirika admires Karen's strength. I don't want to say despite her gender, mm-hmm. but that, that's kind of what's implied of like, you're so strong and you're a girl. You're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, which, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's interesting for sure. <laughs> There's definitely a lot of readings that could be done about uh, Kirika's character. Oh Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on there. But in any case, at the same time, Kazuna had also transformed. And I guess Karin forgot that he was going to also pass out because he passes out alone. And I mean, priorities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but luckily, you know, uh, Michiri does find him and takes him back to the house. And so um, that means that he gets to spend some time with them. And... Mm-hmm. This is where we get the kind of revelation from their butler that, that you know, Kazunik might potentially die if he keeps this up, which is kind of scary. Yeah, it's um, we're on a time clock for sure. Yeah, and then, oh yeah, it's near the end of this episode. It's very weird. I don't understand why this happens exactly. But when uh, Karin goes to get more information from Michido about what on earth is going on, especially regarding like what he might know about Kazune's, uh brother... Michi yeah. decides to, instead of actually doing anything, like, you know, any, explaining it in any way whatsoever, he decides to just shock her by kissing her. And, like, yeah. All right, this is fine. See you later. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the sudden kisses in uh, Michiru's behavior is played off of, like, oh, well, he's a foreigner. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like the idea of like, you know, cultural expectations are different, but it's like no, that's still bad. <laughs> no, that's still bad and also like and I'm I listen, I am not saying that it is okay to just kiss people 
willy-nilly. That should be a standard for everyone. But I'll tell you what, British people, I do not think are just going out and grabbing people and kissing them. Nobody should be. But like, they're acting like Michiru comes from this completely different world. And I'm like, no. I mean, I'm not British, but I don't think so. I don't think that's what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I I would agree. It's a very unfortunate representation, right? Of like this idea of like, oh yeah, Westerners are just so forward. And it's like, should have chosen a different country for him to be from, I think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Should have chosen a different country. Should have chosen a different gag. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You can be forward without kissing people against their without their consent yeah for sure so yeah that's that's that i think i I think the thing is like for me the worst part is not just like that he does that like the surprise kissing because that is that is one factor that's bad but then also he keeps doing the whole thing of like like he tells kasuna like oh yeah kari and i kissed and it's like that's not what happened you need to explain yourself better (laughs) yeah that's not what happened and also like michiru is so manipulative and like schemey for Mm. really no reason like every time he tries to have a conversation or every time he and cousin have a conversation it's always like a tit for tat oh god i just remembered a scene oh i just remembered a scene i think when they're in the bathhouse anyway Mm -hmm. not cute don't touch people don't touch people (laughs) without their consent that's all i'm gonna say yeah but there's always like a, a a tit for tat with Michiru it's always like well if you give this to me Kazune I'll give you this piece of information and I'm like why whose side are you on Mm -hmm. what is happening (laughs) yeah it's it's weird it's really weird Mm -hmm. in any case as like he also has a ring of his own something that at this point we also know seems to be kind of like a an opposite to um to Kirio's ring because like yes. when it activates, he finds out. He notices. He can like sense that energy. Uh, yeah, things get wild with like the 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 few episodes that we have. This uh, school play, which is like this weird like kind of but not actually Snow White story. Um, yeah, Karin is the poison apple princess. Yes. Sure, and there's like <laughs> this uh this these kind of like rival couples basically brothers. Like, yeah. yeah. So the prince and princess and another prince and princess. And so there's like all this stuff about like who's playing who and, and all of that. And yeah, just it's like, you know, the the classic kind of like using all the real life drama and just like projecting it like hell into a school play, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is which can be fun. But, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> theater kid representation. We love to see. it. Yes, for sure. For sure. That being said, the day of the show, um, Karin accidentally eats some day-old sushi or sashimi, I think, that yeah. uh, gives her quite the stomach ache, and so she can't perform at first, and that causes a lot of um, problems. And mm-hmm. then, like, because uh, Michiru is there and he's got his ring and everything, um, Kirio goes on stage to, like, attack. and Yes. It's, like, very confusing for the audience because they can't see the transformed states of anyone, which is fun. (laughs) Which I will say, I always appreciate when a show will explain away something. Why doesn't anybody know about these kids running around fighting each other with the powers of gods? Can't see them. Yep. Literally can't see them. 
Yeah, just, you know, nice and simple. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very fun, very silly. Because of the whole incident, another kid in the class had to suddenly play the part of the princess. And when they were changing out of her, like, clothes and giving him the clothes, accidentally came up with a ring. So she realized that, like, she couldn't transform because the ring was on stage. And there was a time crunch because, of course... Uh, Kazune went ahead and transformed even though you know like they didn't want him to because it's dangerous yeah. at this point and so as far as the audience sees Karin goes on stage takes this ring and then disappears <laughs> <laughs> and we're just supposed to be okay with that also for somebody who is always talking about like oh this ring is my prized possession she loses that thing all the time yeah I get it. Relatable. I lose rings all the time, too. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My rings don't have special powers. Yeah, for sure. And it's really because, like, well, the first time the, the lost ring is that, like, it was stolen by Kirika, who, like, was yes. like, basically, you know, more or less uh, seducing her <laughs> at the, at school, the festival. school festival. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, she didn't su- suspect Kirika at all. So that was um, fun. <laughs> and that scene or that episode is mm-hmm. also our time travel episode, mm. which is like, I think, our second nod to time travel um, in yeah. the series. But anyway, back to the school play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the school play, like she does end up coming back to uh, like when she feels better, she does mm-hmm. get to perform and everything. But yeah, it, it's a lot of, you know, mess. And uh, luckily, everything works out by the end. And after that in episode uh, 20, they decide that, you know, Michiri is going to become part of their kind of gang to the point where he's going to move in with them. So there's those antics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, this this episode, I still don't understand what happened exactly. Because in order to celebrate, Karin makes this like eel gratin. And Kazune and Michiri do eat them. But... It seems like either something in the food or something they drank got them drunk. Oh, okay. I so in the manga mm-hmm. there is a gag question mark about how Kazune is very susceptible to alcohol. But obviously, Kazune is a child. Um, so you can't have a child drinking alcohol. So even if he so much gets a whiff, even if he smells alcohol, he will instantly become drunk. And okay. yeah. That's very helpful context that they did not put into the show. So I was like, what no. is happening? <laughs> I, because I'm pretty sure in the manga it happens more than once, okay. which I'm not in love with. <laughs> it is a trope. It is a trope. There are a few different ways I've seen that happen of like, like, how do we get these underage children drunk by accident for the sake of a trope? Yeah. Um, yeah. How do I, we get these characters to act like completely uninhibited? Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we know something is up because like a bug passes in front of him. He's like, oh, how cute. Instead of like actually freaking out like he usually does. Full freak out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then Karin goes to approach him and he kisses her. Yes. And this apparently was seen at least from one side by Himika who is upset mm-hmm. by this and she doesn't really know why she's upset because at this point we do know that like she does feel like she loves Kazune and but she has clarified that it's not exactly romantic 
which we will yeah. talk about a little bit later. Yeah. It's still, like, weird, right? So, like, kind of like yeah. a crush, but not exactly. And so uh, the next episode, we get this weird thing where um, Kirio disguises himself as a fortune teller and runs into Himika. Mm-hmm. And he's able to convince her to that he is, like, a legit fortune teller, which is very funny yeah. because he's very bad at it, but she is clueless at this point. Yeah. He is very bad. And as somebody who is very into like tarot and astrology and all of that, I did appreciate the joke where he's like, you want to know about this? And she's like, no. And he's like, you want to know about this? And she's like, mm, no. And he's like, you want to know about romance? And she's like, oh, my God, how did you know? And like <laughs> totally, totally dead serious compliments mm-hmm. his fortune telling style. Like that was mm-hmm. that made me giggle. That made me chuckle. <laughs> yes, yes. So the result of that uh, silliness is as he's trying to, like, you know, infiltrate the house, figure out what's going on. And this episode also is important because in the ensuing fight that happens, um, Kazune destroys Kirio's ring. So he can't transform anymore. No more Ares. Ares is off the field. Yes. Though it also is, uh, seems to have affected the other Himika, too. So it's, Mm -hmm. we see, and we kind of know by this point that, like, when one Himika is feeling really energetic, the other Himika feels really weak. And there's mm-hmm. like need to balance things out. Is it just me or does team antagonist she's not an antagonist herself, she's just there with them. Right. Doesn't that Himika read as younger? I know she's supposed to be like frail and sick, but whenever I look at her, and granted all of these kids look like round blobs with eyes, but whenever I look at her, <laughs> yes, whenever yes. I look at her, I'm like, you look younger than everybody else. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's totally valid. I mean, I think it's like their hairstyles are different, and hers is like a cuter hairstyle where it's like more like it's got the pigtails and stuff. I think that's like she the is main, very adorable. That's like I think that the the design difference is where um, it like makes her look younger than because like the other Himika. Her hair is like out, it's it's down. Mm-hmm. So it's very different from like having that kind of updo, I think. That, I think that Maybe. might be it. Because I think otherwise they look the same to me. <laughs> yeah. They do absolutely look the same. I mm-hmm. just, I don't know. Whenever she's around people, I'm always like, you look smaller than everybody else. But I don't mm-hmm. know. But like I said, unless you are Michiru, Kiryo, or Kirika, you are a blob with eyes. <laughs> yes. Oh, goodness. Yes. But in any case, yes. So... Yeah, they, they kind of interact a little bit again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like at this point, things start to get like really amped up because it's very clear that this whole time that, you know, Kirio and Kirika in a way, they've been fighting to protect their Himika. And mm-hmm. uh, meanwhile, you know, we know the other Himika, the, the main, I guess, I don't want to say the main Himika, but, you know, the other Himika is like also... Our Himika. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Heroin Himika. Mm-hmm. You know, she's also like, uh, likewise dealing with that same kind of level of frailty and Connie's mm-hmm. like why can't we figure out a way to save them both and, yeah and then we get to the uh, festival in 22 and yeah cutting is visited again by susan that little 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 kid little guy yeah and then we get a, another cousin who looks the same as uh, as our cousin but um like I think Cuddy notices that, like, he isn't afraid of bugs. Like, there's something off about him. Mm-hmm. They give her a book and say it was written by a cousin's father. 
And so after like this whole, you know, the, the, the normal fight of the day, I guess, yeah. uh, at the summer festival. Fight of the episode. Yes, yes. They, they try to open this book and, and like figure out what's going on. So they get this really uh, interesting kind of message about um, the two halves of the moon coming together and all this stuff. And so they're trying to interpret it. Um, Kazune figures out that like this means this is about the two Himekas and like how to put them together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, if the, you know, if we destroy this ring and all this stuff, like it's, you know, it it's not clear but it feels like okay there's a huge possibility that like they never be combined together again basically like yeah, yeah i th- i think it's some yeah it's something like if you destroy the rings they won't be together and then something about jupiter blocking out the light of the moon or something like yes, that yes yes so it does talk about jupiters in the the planets i uh, should specify yes. that <laughs> oh yes 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 <laughs> and then like uh yeah so at this point also um <laughs> Kirio, like, kidnaps Karin by helicopter. Oh, my God. The whole proposal thing. Again, very, uh, oh. very strange, strange episode. He's just he's just a, a young man who dreams of romance, I guess. Yes, yes. He, he gets her, like, this dress and everything. And they're like, okay, we're going to, like, get married. And she's like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? So, yeah, it's it's complex. But uh, in the next episode, she does spend the day with the Karasmas, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so she gets to meet the other Himika. And they spend time together. And Karin and Kiga talk together about, like, trying to, you know, help save both Himikas, right? We... There yes. has to be a way to do this, but Kirio gets a hold of another ring, the ring of Zeus. And mm-hmm. he surprised, you know, Zeus, king of the gods, etc. Like, that's the most powerful ring they have so far. And, you know, they have to try to fight him off. And as as they do, he tricks Kirika to getting closer. Uh, you no, know, she is transformed at this point and stabs her and she disappears. Yeah. It's shocking. <laughs> Yeah, it it hits a level. It it gets to a point where like all of a sudden it's very serious. We're in the eleventh hour, um, and Kitika's gone. Yeah, yeah. So we're we are short one uh, magical person, and then you know Kazuna has gone there to protect Karin, and so now they're kind of stuck in Kitika's house. Mm-hmm. And again, he is trying to steal Karin's ring. To destroy it. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. He's trying to yes, destroy yes. it. And uh, Michiru also kind of gets taken out of the picture. Even though he also mm-hmm. wants to try to fight. And... Famously cannot transform, though. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and then uh, this is at the end of episode 24. We find out that Kirio is being possessed by Kirihiko, who is um, Kirio's... Presumably his father... Yes. But also yeah. cousin is uh, father's research partner. And again, lots of wild stuff. Um, episode 25, we get more into the backstory there, right? So we learned that mm-hmm. there were, you know, two researchers, Kirihiko and um, Kazuto, who uh, would be Kazune's father. Mm-hmm. And so the whole story is that they were, you know, researching, us- utilizing the powers of the gods. And um, they had a-, a falling out. And in so doing... Um, Kazuto decided to, you know, get rid of his research, and Kikiko mm-hmm. wanted said research. He wasn't going to use it anymore. He decided that that was too dangerous, and so um, 
he decided to hide them, uh, hide his research in Himeka. And yes. that's also uh, in the attempts to get that research, uh, Himeka got split in two. And that's how we got the situation we're in today. Um, totally normal things. You can <laughs> definitely hide research in a human child. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Magic rules, etc. I don't, I don't yeah. get it. But, but yeah, we, we kind of figure out, okay, so the, the Jupiter blocking the moon is the ring of Zeus. Zeus has to be destroyed in order, or at least mm-hmm. the ring of Zeus has to be destroyed in order to protect Himika. Because Kirihiko had sealed himself in this ring that his uh, son... So it's 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 a lot. It's very intense. Um, and the, the final battle is a lot, right? Mm-hmm. We find out that, like, Kazune is actually the clone of Kazuto, right, Professor Kujo? Yes. Hmm. Which ma- explains all of Michiru's comments of, like, wow, you look just like him. Right. And... I think is also supposed to explain Himika's feelings, but again, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll yes, get to that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you know, Kazune is a is a clone, but he is also not a complete clone. He's like no, yeah. That's why he always passes out when he's using his god powers. Mm-hmm. And so, just as we think that like all is lost, like with them like destroying all these rings, etc., Michiru does show up again. And mm-hmm. gives cutting his ring, and yes, so she's able to fight one last time because it's like it's very intense at the end here, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff happening. But she's able to use this ring and to transform into the uh, the the goddess of the universe. <laughs> yeah, I I yeah. wish that we had gotten a better understanding of. First of all, I wanted to see the design because mm-hmm. I unashamedly love the outfit designs in this show. Mm-hmm. I really love the the magical outfits. I will not lie. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're really, really fun. But see, okay, and see, this is where we start dipping our toes into Kamichama Karen Chu, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure how much you want to talk about that, but there's, there's like little whispers of it. Right. Um, I kind of glean that from this (laughs) yeah the most subtle one or maybe it's not that subtle but the one that's the most subtle to me at least is in the beach episode the up-and-coming idol that they like cook against is one of the boys in kamichama kurenchu he's in the beginning of the show okay and i feel like they just slid that right in there um and did not talk about it but michiru spoilers for kamichama kurenchu ends up becoming like the holder of the ring of Poseidon mm-hmm. slash Neptune, mm-hmm. because also in Chu they start using Roman names, and I'm not going to be a negative Nancy. I am not going to harp on that. <laughs> it does make my teeth itch, <laughs> just a little bit. Sure. Um, but uh, yes. So he has the ability to transform into Poseidon, mm-hmm. and so I thought, oh, that's kind of cute. If like cut in got a poseidon outfit or a poseidon inspired outfit but i agree with you i don't think that's what it is if anything if it's not the universe it might be uranus mm-hmm. spoilers that's who kazane ends up transforming into in the in the sequel series mm-hmm. so i don't know but they never say the god they never point right. it out or anything um she just does it 
and sparkles, which good for her. Mm-hmm. We love a sparkle. Yeah, um, but it's it's also but... important because it helps to kind of separate uh, Kidio from his father. Yes. And kind yes. of hold back his spirit so that um, Kazune can take the ring and destroy it so that they can defeat him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a really interesting kind of whole setup. I do want to comment because you did mention it. I think if I had to guess, I feel like the reason that they would switch over to the Roman names um, in Chu is just so that they could have a character named Michidu who's associated with Neptune. That has to be the reason. Like, <laughs> Okay, see, you would you would think that. And I would agree, but he's do- he isn't Neptune. He's the only one that uses the Greek name Poseidon. That's so weird. <laughs> he uses... I wonder if there was like a legal reason for that. Like, oh, they Or wait, yeah. let me double check. I-, I would have to... According to the wiki, it says both Neptune and Poseidon. Mm-hmm. I know that Hades is used. No, I think you're right. I do think it is Neptune. Hades is used and then Uranus is used instead of Kronos. But mm-hmm. then we also have the Kronos clock. And those are the two that those are the same people, everybody. I don't know. Like I said, I can't I can't think about it or else I start to lose it. Yeah. In uh, yeah. It, in the Japanese Wikipedia page, it just says Neptune. It doesn't say Poseidon. So that's okay. why I thought it was Neptune. They wanted a they wanted a little wink and a nod. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, it's it's an interesting choice. <laughs> oh, yes. So in any case, you know, that's that's a fun little thing for later. I do think it would be fun you know it is a whole extra story i do want to read it at some point this series is with all its faults still very fascinating and i think it would be really cool if they uh were able to do a reboot of it um i think it deserves it i think a reboot would be great but before we get to that we do have to kind of finish the the finale here because there's a few little Mm -hmm. tiny things here and there so as we said kazune is actually kazuto right he's a clone of his alleged father yes kazuto did have a wife named suzuka and if you switch the kanji in suzuka you can read that kanji as cutting which is great because that's who cutting is cutting is actually suzuka reborn mm-hmm. i guess or like you know given mm-hmm. a new life and himika is their child <laughs> yeah so it is very specifically <laughs> and not to be like um actually uh-huh. But because it is so wild, I do have to say it specifically. She's not reborn. She is not a clone. She is Suzuka Benjamin Buttoned. She is Suzuka yeah. reverted back to a baby. So she yes. is on, he somehow reversed the aging process and made his wife a baby. I still don't understand why, but I'll go off. <laughs> but apparently yeah. to protect her, but like, no, I'm with you. I don't get it. <laughs> But here's the thing that's really interesting, because, like, midway through the series, we get this scene where, um, you know, the, we get, like, uh, what is it? Is Himeka has, like, the one picture of her parents that she can show anyone. Yes. And she mm-hmm. shows it, and Cutting goes, this is the same picture I have of my parents. This is weird. And then Michi yeah. sees it and it goes, hey, that's Kazuna's dad. And yeah everyone's like huh (laughs) what (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's very confusing but then once we see that like oh actually that is that is cutting as an adult in the past and Mm -hmm. the actual like kazuto who is uh cousin now cousin is a clone of again very confusing but whatever 
I also, my favorite thing about that is if you look at the photo of the baby, baby does not look anything like Cotton. Yeah. <laughs> that baby has black hair mm -hmm. with straight across bangs. Yes. <laughs> it's very thin looking makeup, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's very interesting there. So there's everything is kind of messy in that regard, but that kind of like evens things out. And then um, we see that like at the very, very end here, we do get a kind of like a little finale situation with. Um, Seeing that, like, you know, with them, uh, with Kiva defeated, uh, we find out Kirika is still alive. Uh, she just, like, mm -hmm. woke up in her room after the big fight. <laughs> She's like, oh, cool, I'm here. And, I'm here now. Yeah. And then it seems that Himeka is okay. I believe the Himekas are still separate, but they're both now fine. Yeah. Kirio is back to normal, um, but Kazune seems to be gone. And it's been, like, two weeks. He's, yeah, he's yeah. just gone. Uh, she goes back to, to Shichan's grave and uh, Kazune shows up and it turns out this is actually Kazune from the future. Mm -hmm. So they can both go to the future together. And yeah. that is where we'll meet you in season two. That's like the big energy. In that. <laughs> yes, yes. And of course, season two never happened. And one of the main things I think, and this is something that like, it's not, I mean, the story is, is, is the story is a story, but as far as mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I think most people might agree that this was not a successful series is the animation problems. Personally, I think it's mostly at the beginning that they're really, really, really jarring. And then mm -hmm. it does get better over time. Uh, so mm -hmm. I do not know what was going on there, but I feel like in general with, with any Japanese animation, like the most famous bad shot of any series ever does come from this show. Yes. <laughs> it is a shot of Karin. Her eyes are incredibly far apart. It is just a baffling. How did this happen? I know, I know the animation industry is always in a time crunch and there are still problems yes. today with how they have to get work done. But this was wild. I... I've I've heard of people and like I am usually a person that first of all I am not an animation expert I am not um, there's very few times where I will put my foot out there and say hey this is not good because I don't know anything about animation my mantra in life is I'm not going to tell somebody how to do a job that I don't know how to do I don't tell a plumber how to plumb <laughs> I don't tell a tattoo artist how to tattoo. If I don't know how to do the job, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Mm -hmm. That's my general rule on things. The art in this <laughs> is wild. I have heard people use the term like, it looks like they're melting. And I've always been like, oh, that's so harsh. That's so mean. I've heard people say that about other shows. This show, I was like, oh, this is what you mean <laughs> that people look like they're melting yeah it's just it's rough yeah it is it is tough i think i think it it does get better over time and mm -hmm. i like I, there are a lot of parts even in early episodes where they get into like super deformed style and stuff i do think that's really well done and like very cute um mm -hmm. i just think yeah for whatever reason the kind of challenge of duplicating this art style just like did not pay off i don't know yeah i don't want to blame any one particular person on staff again like i know this stuff no, is no, complicated no. um and you know again time crunch is usually the main reason why things don't look up to par mm -hmm. so i think that yeah i think that you know a series like this 
Um, and I am hopeful since, you know, I know that Digi Karat is a much more popular series from this artist, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do hope someday that this does get a reboot of some kind because I think that it deserves to be at its full cuteness, you know? Yeah, because it is it is really cute. I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the, the art style because I was looking at just like manga screen grabs um, earlier today just to kind of like refresh myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I will say the art style is very of its time, which I don't think is a bad thing. It makes me kind of nostalgic. But when I look at the art style, I feel like, and maybe I'm just looking at the wrong series. I just, I feel like I don't see things drawn this way anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And the the costumes and the outfits are all lacy and cute. And it's these soft features and these big eyes and... Um, I don't know. I think I think it's a very beautiful art style within its own right. And so I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also with how modern shows get like action scenes animated, obviously this isn't going to be some action-packed shonen. That's not what we're here for. <laughs> um, but I think being able to see some of the transformation scenes or the power attacks, like it would just be really cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think there's a lot of interesting things about the show. I, again, the um, the visual of a little Japanese girl screaming "I am God" and then transforming <laughs> is so good. I don't know, just that it's... alone is so amusing to me. The first time that it happened, I literally stopped and just like died laughing because it's it's not just the animation, but it's like the um effect they put on her voice, uh-huh. the bass booted echo of like. I am God is so funny. Yeah. It's quality. I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah. And, you know, um, with, uh, like with, uh, with Kazune, he says the same thing, but in, in Latin, right? It goes in Deus. And it's, I think it's so, I think it's just so funny that like the fact that he says in Latin, I I don't feel the same level of like, this is funny or anything like that. But the, the English mm-hmm. of it is, I think the, the, the key that makes it like just so amusing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fact that it's not like a sound bite somewhere uh-huh. is kind of baffling to me. I mean, I guess this is a very niche show, but mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's it it gets a chuckle every time. <laughs> yes. So I think yeah, I just again I have high hopes for this show um doing something better in the future, like just getting mm-hmm. getting something. There have been so many reboots of 2000 yeah. series that I feel like there's a chance. Yeah, absolutely. And especially seeing that Digicata has had their, their reboot, I feel like I'm hopeful. I'm crossing my fingers for this one. And I will say this is um, one of the very few series that this author has finished. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I feel like <laughs> it deserves some love. Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, it def- definitely has like a... Um, a good enough like fan uh, like a fan base i think mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in in japan in particular mm. i don't know it's just fascinating and i i am hopeful that there will be mm-hmm. more um but yeah so i guess with that i think we do have to like kind of just to kind of refresh on all the the problems <laughs> yeah um, of this series so yeah the, the i mean as we discussed like the main thing being like michiru's entire character is a mess right mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. i don't see i feel like him being problematic i don't attribute it to him like being presented as like queer right like because he's very definitely clearly like interested in cousin so we see he's yeah 
like definitely unabashedly attracted to at least one boy. Mm -hmm. At the same time, he does have this weird kind of thing going on with cutting, which is like, I'm not sure how much of it is actually him having feelings or him just being manipulative, but there is still that. With Michido, I think that like the the main thing is like, yeah, just like the constant, um, just like breaking of boundaries and not really understanding Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. social cues again, like, you know, with them going on like to the, the hot springs, it's like, he kept being like, oh, let's all go to the hot springs together. What's the problem with the sharing? And it's like, there's no way a foreigner would not understand that it is weird to like get excited about sharing a mixed bath with girls. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, listen, hi, I'm a Westerner. Make fun of us all day long. We deserve it. <laughs> we're, we're, we're does. I'm specifically an American too. If you can't tell from the accent, we're weirdos. Make fun of us. Um, I don't have an accent. I don't know why I said that. Well, yeah, I guess maybe to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was so American of me. I don't have an accent. Anyway, um, make fun of us. We're weirdos. Maybe pick a different joke. <laughs> yes, yes. So it was just, um, yeah, it was like just odd. Like it felt mm-hmm. hmm. like we this we we're doing this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it just is. It was just frustrating for that uh, that depiction and like the the particular associations. And even just saying that he's a foreigner because he's not a foreigner. He is half Japanese. So like you yeah, know, there's that as well. But then like having him be like the also the one kind of openly queer character i mean mm-hmm. he kisses cousin at school in front of everyone everyone first day yeah <laughs> just like hello i am into boys nice to meet you like it's it's wild <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um like that would be wild the worst today. by by the way joke possible the worst by the way entrance possible (laughs) for sure for sure so it's yeah it's a lot so so that is like the main thing but the other thing Mm -hmm. is definitely just like the way that the of course with everything revealed the whole like intricacies of the relationships you know and the true identities of the trio here make a lot of the stuff really weird so yeah, I pulled up. Um, I have a quote from an early episode where you know, uh, as as throughout the show, they're talking about, of course, as teenagers do, like, do they like someone? Who do they like, etc. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Kimika, like, we see that for her, the person she likes is Kazune, and it's presented at first kind of like a romantic thing, and Karin certainly reads it that way. They definitely let you believe it's romantic. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, when Karin finally talks to Himika about it, like, oh, the person you like is is um, Kazune, right? And so what she says, and this is my translation of that, because I, I don't know how, I, I don't believe there are official translations of this show, but I don't know how mm-hmm. uh, fansubs handle it. But what she says is, uh, I love Kazune, but I've grown up with him. So he's like a big brother and like a little brother and a father. So it's not like I love him in a romantic way, but my feelings for him are just like my life itself. Like it is just a part of her life that she loves Kazune. And it's this like constant. Hmm. It's makes things super weird. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I, I think. Okay. Okay. There's so many things. I think (laughs) that if we had left it as 
Karen is misreading the situation, mm-hmm. I think that would have been fine. You know, that like we we Karen as our protagonist, we see the world through her eyes, her, her big, beautiful eyes. <laughs> and so I think it would have been fair if like, oh, we see these scenes early on that lead us to believe that it's romantic between them. And then Himika comes in as like, well, no not no you're misreading the situation and then we left it at that i think it would be i think that's a little bit better but then after this we still have the play scene we still have the play episode and in the play episode um it's mentioned that because kazune and himika are playing opposite of each other first of all weird everybody knows other cousins yeah Secondly, it's stated that they are a better performance because their emotions are real. Mm-hmm. Why? That you're you're just you are walking back the message that you had before. And then there's also the cousin of it all. Like Himika is introduced. Himika and Kazune are introduced as cousins. Again, if that was something that Karin didn't know and then discovered through the series um post the like oh i love him like a family member i think it would be less bad (laughs) yes yeah it is it is just like very um very strange to see that like constant like just pushing of that even the possibility because when she does think oh himika is in love romantically with her cousin she's like supportive of it and i'm like what (laughs) yeah what (laughs) It was weird. So so that was a, a, a writing choice that I don't quite understand. Mm-hmm. The other thing, um, is there anything else that we want to say regarding like Kitika's whole presentation, I guess, etc.? Um, I feel like we've kind of touched on it throughout. Um, I feel like the only general thing I would say with all early 2000s stories where we want to touch gender. Mm-hmm. I think we just need to go over it with a fine-tooth comb, a, a bit of love, a bit of grace, and then mm. a willingness to adapt. Because <laughs> I, I think that Kirika's story could be really interesting. Yeah. But also Kirika's not the main character, so yeah. how much attention are we going to pay to this character? More is my answer. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, mm. I think... Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like perhaps in a reboot or something, we would get more time to explore that kind of character and like what's mm-hmm. going on there, like the feelings there. Because we get the explanation, and then like it just kind of becomes a given that we all know and are fine with. Yeah, so. we get the explanation. We get we get the story, and then Kirika always transforms into a goddess as well. So, hmm. just interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it it, it would be like nice to kind of have a little bit more time to kind of understand how Kika feels about her own gender. Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, part of me was, like, as I was watching the show, you know, I, I did get, I got spoiled a little bit about that, like, before actually it came up in the series. But I wondered, like, how are we, you know, going to handle this uh, situation? Like, how are they going to actually explain it? Because the explanation would give a lot of insight into, like, how we should actually interpret, you know, gender in this case, but yeah, it was not really quite enough. So yeah, I just wanted like a yeah. little, just a little bit more information um, to help with the reading. But 
at the same time, I think it's nice to have a character that can have multiple readings and can have discussion and could be potential representation to a lot of people who might have needed it at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so with that, I think we are down to the final question. Oh, very exciting. Which is, um, Mm -hmm. now I do have to say, aside from super idols do you have yes. a magical persona for yourself ah <laughs> uh, this is such a hard question because i was definitely one of those kids where every media i would basically make a self-insert right of like who would i be in this story ah and i would like daydream about it but if i had if i had a magical persona Obviously, it, the, the theme color would be pink. Pink is one of my favorite colors in the world. So we're going full pink theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think I'd want my magical persona to be based around like my zodiac sign. Like I said before, I'm really into astrology. Um, mm-hmm. I know I'm pretty sure there's a pre-cure series on that, but there is. Yeah, yes. more zodiac magical content. I'm begging for it. Um, and Sagittarius is the archer, so uh, it's oh no, ask, oh no, I've made I've made Monica. Dang it, <laughs> <laughs> dang it, a pink archer. That's just that's just a, a, a Madoka, a Monica. Yeah, I think you would love Star Twinkle Precure. You should give it a chance. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm gonna boot it up after this. Awesome. But yes, no, I would want to do some sort of pink archer situation. Um, and I feel like in a magical girl team, I would be, I would be like the tank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would um, come in at the last minute and support everybody and hold down the team and don't ask me to lead but support <laughs> I got you <laughs> okay sounds good sounds good awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> great so yeah I can um, I can imagine what that might look like um, but yeah so with that uh, Liv thank you so much for coming on to Sparkle Psych Chats to talk about the show Thank you for having me. Yeah. um, Where can people find you and follow you online to talk about cutting and other magical girls? Yes, absolutely. So I am on all social medias as live in a day. So it's live L-I-V-I-N for in a and then day D-A-Y. Um, I'm live. It's my day. I'm living it. We love a good pun. <laughs> um, you can see me promote my shows and my streams. Um, there's always something new coming out. So just find me on social media and I'll post about whatever new project I'm doing. Yes. Awesome. Great. So yes, all those, all those things will be in the show notes. And uh, yeah, thank you again. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. You as well. Thank you. Whether this was your first or last time listening, thank you so much for checking out this episode of Sparkle Sight Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. We hope you check out the rest of our chats, over two years of magical content and counting. And if you like what you heard, tell a friend or tell five friends or tell the whole world by talking about us online. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag Sparkle Chats when talking about and sharing the podcast. 
You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U. And you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at sparklesidechats at gmail.com. Did you know we also take recommendations for future guests and topics? Just fill out the form in the show notes. You can even suggest yourself if you're so bold. The very best free way to support the podcast is using your podcast platform to give a rating and review of our little show. This gives the big internet machines the message that they should share it with more people, and I think we all want that, don't we? You can also join the Discord server for this podcast to talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. The forever link is in the show notes as well as on the socials, so be sure to stop by. Show notes can be found on your podcast platform of choice or at our main landing page at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. If you have a few bucks, you can give a one-time donation at ko-fi.com or ko-fi.com slash ayushinos. You can also commit to a monthly membership, which grants you access to bonus episodes about Magical Girls and adjacent content such as movies, comics, and other series that Magical Girl fans tend to also love. All it takes is $5 a month, but if you want to rank up, that'll give you discounts on art commissions and monthly requests as well. Music credits, as always, are also in the show notes. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at a few bruises. Thanks again for listening. And remember, you are magical forever and always. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>